Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. I worship you. Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Baylock. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Bible Studies. Today, I'd like to address another discussion that I had on social media. Responding to our general message about the kingdom, A brother in Christ took issue with our use of the phrases kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. Andy, would you please read his comments? Sure. This brother who is named Mark wrote, The kingdom of God is not the same thing as the kingdom of heaven. Christ's millennial reign is an earthly, physical kingdom, true. The kingdom of God, however, is a spiritual kingdom, not the same. Since God makes the distinction using different words, You should not be trying to teach the two kingdoms as being the same. So I think Brother Mark may have partially misunderstood what we teach. For instance, we wholeheartedly agree that the millennial kingdom will be an earthly physical kingdom. But he does raise an interesting question. What is the name of that kingdom? Both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are spoken about in the Bible. Are they the same thing? Let's listen now to the word of God. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people, This is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That was Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 to 26. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. The first thing that we notice is that Jesus uses the phrases kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God back to back as if they were interchangeable. In other words, Jesus spoke as if they were indeed one and the same. And that's the quick response to Brother Mark's challenge. But a few interesting facts. The phrase kingdom of God occurs 68 times in 10 different New Testament books. But the phrase kingdom of heaven occurs only 32 times and only in the Gospel of Matthew. And this passage that we heard is the one time where both of those phrases appear together. Okay, so before we go any further, Andy, Let's orient ourselves. Okay, Jordan. So as many of our listeners know, we like to use what we call the SPACE method, and we're going to use that SPACE acronym right now. So we see here that the speaker, SP, Jesus is talking to an audience, the letter A, which consists of his disciples. Now as for the context, the letter C, our reading today comes right after Jesus has his famous conversation with the wealthy young ruler. This man came to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, If you wish to enter into life, 
keep the commandments? The man answers, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus replied, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And the Bible says the young man went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. Christians tend to misread obtain eternal life as meaning getting into heaven. But that story can't be about getting into heaven for two important reasons. One, the Jews at that time already knew how to get into heaven. It was promised to them as a nation. All they had to do was be good Jews, you know, follow the rules of Judaism. Two, Jesus answered the man by talking about works. And we know salvation is not of works, but of grace. It's the gift of God. And that's Ephesians 2.8. So Jesus tells the rich man to do works first, to keep the Ten Commandments. And then when the man pressed him to sell all he owned and to follow Jesus. He didn't say, believe in me and that's all. In fact, Jesus said something very interesting. Quote, if you wish to be complete or fully mature in the spiritual sense, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, key phrase, and come follow me, Matthew 19, 21. So an answer to the question, how may I obtain eternal life? Jesus said, earn it by proving that you put future heavenly riches over present earthly riches. Ah, very good, Jordan. You know, another note, that phrase eternal life can be confusing, but in the Greek, it's more like age lasting life. And the word age there is referring to the age or time period when Christ Jesus will rule as king. Okay, so back to the lesson. Now that we know the speaker, audience, and context of our scripture reading, we're ready to move on to the explanation. The questions we need to answer again are, did Jesus really use the phrases kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God interchangeably, meaning there's no difference in the meanings? Or is there a distinction that we need to understand? Well, looking at the gospels, it seems Matthew prefers the phrase kingdom of heaven while Mark and Luke preferred the phrase kingdom of God when they recount the same stories. But there are some interesting nuances. For example, let's look at the verse that we often use in association with our ministry, and that verse is in Matthew 13, 11. Jordan, would you please read that verse in context and then also read the version from the Gospel of Mark? Sure, Andy. This is right after Jesus gave the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, 10 and 11 reads, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. And now Mark 4, verses 10 through 12, As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. This seems to be the same story told two different ways. We know that because the beginning of both stories line up. 
Mark 4, he began to teach again by the sea. Matthew 13, that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Mark 4, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. Matthew 13, and large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down, and so on. It seems pretty clear that they're the same story, but notice Matthew has Jesus saying the mysteries, plural, of the kingdom of heaven, but Mark has him saying the mystery, singular, of the kingdom of God. So we come to this question again. Are these distinctions significant? Most Bible commentators say no, but there is something more for those with spiritual goggles or spiritual eyes to see. Pastor Whipple, the founder of our ministry, taught that we need to examine the parable of the sower in all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and notice some small but significant differences. He wrote, quote, We see a marked difference in settings, word constructions, and meanings. The Holy Spirit has purposely done this to give a complete picture of the threefold salvation of those who will inherit the kingdom, end quote. What does he mean by threefold salvation? Well, for everybody listening, this is obviously the core of our ministry, is, is one of the foundational truths that we know to be true, because it lines up with Scripture, is that there are actually three parts that make up man, and it's actually a type or a representation of the three parts of the Godhead. So Pastor Gary taught us that a, a good phrase to remember to describe those three parts would be the trichotomy of man. Just like there is a God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, there's also three parts that make up the complete man. So that would be our spirit, our soul, and our body. So one of the things that we learn as we study the parables and, and one of the things we like to share with all of our listeners is that all three parts of man need to be saved at the time at the judgment seat of Christ, right after the rapture. So what our ministry does is actually use scripture to help teach everyone who listens how to ha make sure that all three parts are saved. Great, Andy. Thanks for that uh, explanation. And Pastor Whipple also explained that going back to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Luke's version of the parable emphasizes the message of salvation, which is justification of the spirit part of us that you just mentioned. Okay, Jordan, I'm going to look to Luke chapter 8 now, and I'm going to read that version of the parable of the sower. It starts in verse 4. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up, and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those beside the road 
are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. Those of the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. And the key phrase that Luke uses, for example, Luke 18.11, is the word of God. Mark's version emphasizes the Christ-controlled life, which speaks to sanctification of the soul part of us, or the mind part of us, the Greek word, if you look at it transliterated, it looks like psyche, it's pronounced suche, but um, that's the soul part of us. And the key phrase in Mark is just the phrase, the word. So the word of God in Luke, the word in Mark. So Jordan, for the sake of time, I'm going to pick up in verse 10, which is Jesus's explanation. And it reads like this. As soon as he was alone, his followers along with the 12 began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. Notice this time it's singular. But those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word, which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Matthew's version emphasizes the message of the coming kingdom, which will involve the redemption of the body part of us, as you described, and glorification in the kingdom. And lastly, Jordan, we look at Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to start in verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men, desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom 
and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And the key phrase that he uses, Matthew, is the word of the kingdom. So you have the word of God, the word, and the word of the kingdom. And again, these are very small nuances that, you know, your typical Bible commentator, eh, you know, they're all interchangeable. But Pastor Whipple did teach us that these little things, you know, every jot and tittle, as we would say, as the Bible would say, um, is important. So we, we really like to pay attention to these little tiny subtleties because those with spiritual eyes, as we said, can sort of pick up on these things and notice that the different Gospels talk about the different aspects of the trichotomy or trinity of man. Yeah, well said, and nice job catching those points. Here is where remembering to apply the space method each time we study, especially if we're studying for doctrinal purposes, is so necessary. You know, Jordan, you raised a key point earlier by mentioning that the verses spoken by Jesus regarding the mystery or mysteries of the kingdom, they happen to occur right after the parable of the sower. So we must carefully study these verses in that context, meaning we've got to look at that parable and see if there's any differences in the parable of the sower, which as you explained, there are. So therefore, the answers to these questions really rely on us knowing the context of of when we decide to talk about whether or not the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven happen to have a difference. Yeah, great points. And um, maybe someday when we have a little more time, we can do a longer lesson or just just dedicate a whole episode to that parable because it's a very fascinating parable. So coming down to the key point now, the difference between the expression mysteries plural of the kingdom of heaven, which Matthew and Luke use, and mystery of the kingdom of God, which Mark uses, may mean the following. And I say may because, you know, this is one of those areas where everyone has to use um, their own, you know, God-given faculties and let the Holy Spirit speak to them. And we've studied this deeply, but um, it's, not, it's not so black and white slam dunk that we would, we would tell you absolutely 100%. It's just um, when you study it, this is where you, you end up if you go deeper. The first phrase, mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, is more general, obviously. And we believe it involves the several mysteries that believers must understand to reach maturity, spiritual maturity, and ob- obtain the highest levels of kingdom life. And we haven't talked too much about that in this lesson, but there are levels in the kingdom, you know, including ruling and reigning as a co-heir with Christ. So um, it's important to keep that in mind. The second phrase is much more specific, obviously. And to see what it means, we need to turn to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians. In that epistle, Paul writes of this same mystery, singular, quote, which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, end quote. That's Colossians 1.26. He continues that, quote, God willed to make known to the Gentiles the riches of the glory of this mystery. Riches meaning inheritance in the kingdom. And what does he say that mystery is? It's Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. 
So we can say the mystery revealed in this single truth. When we received Christ in faith, we also received the hope of a great reward and inheritance in the coming millennial kingdom. And that is our lesson. Until next time, we leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax-deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click Donate. And finally, 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple and to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show. I'm Steve Zioli. Until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amazing grace